and let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you once again today for this opportunity to serve you and to hear from heaven. Lord, we, we covet the gifts of the Spirit, desire earnestly to prophesy. Thank you for, for grace that is sufficient. You enable us to go beyond our natural selves, to do what we humanly can't do, and to operate in the realm of the supernatural, in the realm of the Spirit. Thank you for grace today that is sufficient for each and every one to accomplish what they need to accomplish in their lives. By your grace, we move forward. By your spirit, by your power. Lord, give us the word for the hour, the message for today. May each one receive today from you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, John 13, let's read in verse 34. Jesus, speaking here, said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another now as you know we've been teaching a series on the love of God and we want to continue today and, and share a few more things about the love of God but I would encourage you this way uh, the love of God I don't think you can top that as far as priority or importance in your Christian life if you were to study any one subject or or really get uh, established in any one truth let it be the love of God okay how many know you can be uh, really well educated and schooled in, a many, in many different subjects and you could, be, you could have a wealth of knowledge of, of scripture and biblical things but if you skipped the love walk uh, and you skipped the love of God I think you've pretty much wasted a lot of your time studying at the same time if someone didn't know much uh, and they couldn't quote many scripture didn't have a, a well established uh, bank of knowledge of, of God's word but they were walking in the love of God. I tell you what, that person's got a, 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 a head up on everybody else, okay? Because how many know you can know a lot and still be annoying? Do you know that? But when you're, when you're walking in love, you've got the love of God flowing and you've got some things together, okay? A person, um, a person can know a lot and still be insecure. But how many know you cannot know how much God loves you and still be insecure? That's not possible, okay? It produces an, a, an established heart in your life. It'll cause you to be confident. And the more we know how much He loves us and what He's done in us and what He's made available to us, the more confident we'll be before Him and the more confident we will be before others, okay? We don't need to be timid in this life. No matter who comes against us or what stands before us, when you know that everything's going to be all right, you know that God loves you. The very worst case scenario, you're in glory land. Huh? I mean, it just takes all fear out of life and all fear out. So many people these days, they're afraid of dying, afraid of death. They're afraid of, of disaster and tragedy and, and terrorism and all these things. And I'm not. I'm not. And we should never live full of fear of evil things happening to us. One thing that makes me so confident is I'm becoming more and more aware of how much the Lord loves me. He really likes me. <laughs> and good news is he's no respecter of persons he really likes you too I believe I believe uh, when he wakes up in the morning uh, <laughs> your your face comes across his mind and it puts a smile on his face amen now if you're visiting I don't really think God wakes up in the morning okay 
you got, you got to flow with me on some of these things, all right? Okay, but the love of God is very, very important, very powerful, and we need to be established in it more and more, and it does us well to take time like we have been in these Sunday morning meetings to meditate on the love of God, and we've been uh, given some understanding of how love acts, what it looks like, so we can clearly identify when we're missing it. And when we're walking in it, because the love of God will protect us, it'll help us, it'll instruct us in many areas of life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17 today, Luke chapter 17. And we were speaking to you last week, if you remember, about forgiveness, how love forgives. Very important that we know that, how love forgives. And let me touch on a little bit more of that before we uh, move into some other areas. Luke 17 and verse 3, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Are those the words of the Lord? rebuke him if he repents forgive him and of course he went on to saying if he get you know if he sins against you seven times in a day then and he comes to you uh, you know you forgive him we know this these are our instructions as believers that we are told we're commanded to forgive don't you be holding a grudge against anybody come on the lord has done so much for you he's given you so much we have no right at any time to be holding things against people and refusing to forgive them let them off because of the things they've done to us all right but th- what this passage does is is it brings out an interesting point um, that when someone sins against us it doesn't say to just ignore it Many times people cheapen their relationships and they just become more shallow and they're never able to be what God intended for them to be because they don't deal with wrongdoing. They don't deal with the issue when someone sins against them. They just kind of want to ignore it because, you know, confrontation's not fun and and they don't want to step out of their comfort zone to deal with it. And so they just let things kind of, just kind of leave them alone. And they try to move forward in that relationship without dealing with things. And because of that, they long for a real relationship in their life. Sometimes they're married. they got people all around them. And they got relationships. But none of them are really satisfying. None of them are really to that degree where, man, I have this relationship where we are completely transparent with each other. They know everything about me. I know everything about them. We love each other anyway. There's something pretty valuable in that. And we know that's the way that the Lord is with us. But we can really have that kind of relationship with other people. But oftentimes they're not there because people don't ever deal with things. They let things just build up and build up over the years. And they're never, they never ever touch things that are uncomfortable in their lives. Okay? But the Bible says here, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Wow, is it rebuke him? Do I really want to do that? You know, Matthew 18 says, when someone sins, your brother sins against you, you should go to them. Instead of go to others about them, right? Go to them and deal with it, okay? But both situations, we're not just ignoring, we're not just avoiding the subject, we're actually dealing with, with things, okay? Now, the extreme side is a person who's thinking that they need to talk to everybody about everything that annoys them. And uh, no, that's not what he said here. You don't want to make every little nitpicking thing a sin, 
Every time someone annoys you or does something that you don't like or irks you in the slightest way, you, you elevate that to sin. No, that's not what he's saying. Go tell everyone everything you don't like about them so you can have a good relationship. But we're talking about when someone rises, something rises to this level and someone sins against you, what should you do? You should talk to them about it. You should go to them and really what you want, your desire, is that they'll repent so that they can partake of your forgiveness. Now, as a Christian, your forgiveness is available to them. It's just like the Lord. How many know, in one sense, the Lord has forgiven all, but at the same time, are all forgiven? Well, kind of from God's perspective, but from theirs, no. And the same thing's true in our relationships, just like, uh, you know, we're not holding a grudge and not going to stay angry at anybody. You're just not going to do it. We've made, made up our minds. We won't go there. But another person receiving forgiveness is really up to them. And if things are not ever dealt with, oftentimes people stay and there's that barrier in your walking relationship with them. Just like if I want to walk closely to the Lord, what must I do? I must receive what he has to offer me. From his standpoint, he put it all on Jesus, so it's all available. It's a finished deal. He's not holding a grudge, but I must partake of that and say, Lord, I receive that forgiveness. Really, I've sinned against him. I must say, Lord, man, I'm a... I'm a turkey, I sinned, I've fallen short of the glory of God, but I received Jesus as my Savior. And then it all gets cleared up. This is the kind of relationships we're supposed to have with each other. I remember years ago, quite a number of years ago, well before I was in ministry and things like that, but I had a, a friend, and we were pretty good friends, and and we would, you know, hang out, do things together, and, and uh, one day, basically, in this situation that I don't want to go into, but he left me hanging. Just kind of left me in the lurch. I was just waiting on him for something. And, and he didn't come through in this situation for me. And he really did me wrong. And I was severely annoyed. <laughs> and I was angry with the guy. And again, I got to tell you, just up front, I was pretty carnal. I'm still growing. But I was pretty carnal in those days, much more so. And, uh, and I was really angry with him. But at the same time, he was my friend, and if, if, if I was waiting for him, if he would have said one word, like, sorry about that, man, I, you know, I would have been, okay, cool, no problem, let's forget it. But the way, the way the situation went, he never said anything to me. And so what, I was even more angry. <laughs> and instead of uh, operating in the love of God, what I did, basically, I'll just tell you this, that relationship was never restored. And now everything would be fine. It's just this is a different part of the, you know, doesn't live here or anything like that. And I would be fine around, around this person and, and be friends with him because I've grown and it would be fine. But back then, what did it do? It basically ended a relationship. And there's a problem with that. Say, who was wrong? Here's who was wrong. Both of us were wrong. But I should have known better. But I didn't operate in the love of God. He should have, of course, done it to me in the first place. Secondly, as soon as he saw me, he should have said something. <laughs> and everything would have been okay. And that's what I knew. I knew I knew that part. And I was at that place. And if he had done everything, it would have been fine. But he didn't, so what should I have done? I should have gone to him. I should have said, you know what? You did this, and uh, I'm kind of ticked off about it. And I want you to apologize to me. And if you do, you know, everything will be fine. And I know the guy. He would have. 
But because of my lack of maturity and his at the same time, a relationship ended. How silly. The love of God doesn't let that happen. Doesn't let it happen. Say, what if you went to him and he'd have said, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, I should have backed up. It would have, it would have hindered our relationship. But at the same time, I should have been, well, I believe you did, and I'm not going to stay angry at you. Forgiveness is available. You did me wrong, but, you know, that's really going to be your issue now. Never mind. Okay? But sometimes people don't deal with situations in their relationships, and therefore they very much um, lessen what those relationships could be. I know I had a co-worker, again, many years ago, and this particular person uh, we had a, a disagreement about some things, and we were having a discussion uh, about what should be done and how we could move forward. And I would, in this discussion, point to things. I'd say, well, what about, you know, the, this, this, and this that happened, you know, a week ago or a month ago or sometime in the past? And this person, uh, their response to me was, that's the past. You can't live in the past. We need to deal with today. And I said, but the past has never been dealt with, dealt with yet. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to hold you to that for the rest of your life. I'm not going to stay angry with you and mad at you about, about what you did back there. But can we deal with it and then leave it alone? Then put it in the past? And again, sometimes people, they will say, oh, that's the past. We can't ever talk about that. Well, deal with the past. Forgiveness is exchanged. Everything's dealt with. Then move forward and never, ever bring it up again. That's godly. Okay, what does the scripture say? Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. In other words, the point that when a person repents, that's when that forgiveness is then made available to them. It's not that you're holding a grudge or you're going to keep it against them, but they're not partaking of that forgiveness until they receive it. It's like, just like I said already, it's the same with the Lord. He's offered forgiveness to all of us. But until we repent, until we come to Him, we don't get the forgiveness. You know, if someone said, well, the Lord loves everybody. Salvation is for all. It is for all, but not all are saved. Not all have a relationship with God. You may be listening to me now and you think, well, am I okay? Because you're preaching God loves everybody. He does, but you're not okay until you receive it. Amen. Now, Let's go a little bit further talking about love. Love is not a weak force. Sometimes when we talk about love is patient, love is kind, love, and we, we talk about all these dynamic attributes that we should have operating in our lives, some come away with the idea that a, a person who really walks in love is a little bit more sissified than the average person, Right? They're, they're a little bit weaker than the person who really stands up for what's right and so forth. No, love is tough. Love is the nicest. I mean, the guy who walks in love is the nicest guy you want to meet. But also, he has a backbone. Also, he takes a strong stand when things are right. Okay? When I'm talking to you about the love of God, I'm not talking to you about being run over by everybody. I'm not implying that you should be a doormat in life and let everyone push you around. 
Okay, And here's where we need to see balance and understand how someone who really walks in love acts. We could say that meekness is not weakness. A person who is humble is also a very strong person. Okay, You know Ephesians 6.10 says that we should be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How should we be strong yet walking in love at the same time? Many people today, uh, it seems, give in to everything and everyone with the idea that what they're doing is love. But I want you to know today that love can say no. And really, the true love of God will at times say no. Instead of feeling an obligation that every time someone wants me to do something... Every time someone asks me to do something, because I'm a Christian, because I walk in love, I must comply. And I must do that thing for them. I'm telling you, that's not the case. The person who walks in love, sometimes, not certainly not all the time, sometimes they will look someone in the eye and just say, no. But I want you to help me with this. No. But I thought you were a Christian. I am. No. <laughs> and you know what? You don't always have to explain yourself either. Sometimes people feel an obligation to explain every answer they give. What if the person's waiting and they're like, <laughs> you say, is your neck bothering you? <laughs> you don't always have to explain. Because here's this, sometimes people don't realize and understand, maybe God already dealt with you to do something else and if you say yes to this person you're not going to be able to obey God and if you say yes to them you have to say no to God that never crossed their mind too many times people operate in a, on a level that's so emotional and feeling oriented they're so quick to be hurt by someone else saying no that they miss God all the time listen if someone says no to you or doesn't do what you want them to do, don't take it personal. You don't know what's happening in their life and why they don't want it. It, it may have nothing to do with the fact that they don't like you or they're just being rude or, or something like that. It, you know, it may be completely genuine and honest. They're saying no and they still like you. Amen. I mean, what if, what if you wanted to uh, get involved in the church in a particular ministry and the leader of that ministry came to you and said no you said but I want to help here I want to serve here no well what would you do a lot of times people would immediately take offense to that instead of saying well you know what okay you know if the Lord wants me to get involved in this it's going to change. Things are going to turn around and there's going to be an open opportunity. If he doesn't, you know, maybe I'll get involved somewhere else. The Lord has something for me to do and he wants me to help somewhere and get involved somewhere. Instead of what the average Joe might do and say, can't believe this. Believe the way. Here I am volunteering. Not everyone volunteers. Some people, <laughs> some people don't do anything. They just come to church. Here I am. I'm wanting to serve and they won't even let me. person who walks in love is not quick to take offense, not quick to be hurt. They can handle giving a no, and they can handle 
receiving a no. And I'm going to show you this in the scripture here momentarily. All right, so you don't just think I'm just putting up a good message here today. I'm telling the truth, not just preaching today. <laughs> the love of God is strong. It's firm, and yet it's the nicest thing around. But, it can, but sometimes love will deal with circumstances and situations differently. Uh, you remember, we were studying this recently, but when Jesus came into the country of the Gadarenes, remember that, the madman of Gadara, the guy was demon-possessed, he got supernaturally delivered from uh, those demonic forces, and as soon as that guy was delivered, he looked at Jesus, and he was, oh, you know, there's Jesus, he just helped me get free, and, and he didn't want to leave him. And the guy said, I want to go with you, and Jesus looked at him and said, no, but I thought you were Jesus, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Jesus, love personified, love in the flesh, looked at that guy and said, no, I want you to go home and tell everybody what the Lord did for you. But he did not let the guy do what he wanted to do. Sometimes love acts that way. It doesn't let someone do what they want to do. Here, here's the, the truth here, is oftentimes people, instead of being led by the Spirit of God in their lives, they're led by the will and sometimes even the fleshly desires of other people. Because everyone who wants them to do something, wants them to act, they immediately feel an obligation. Well, they ask, so I've got to do it. Well, no. Someone, what if someone comes and, and you know, they want, they, they want some some money and you say no well maybe maybe the lord wants to meet their need through somebody else and they're taking a fleshly route to make it happen don't take no as a rejection of you personally you know i've told you about the time when uh when i was dealing with well benevolence cases and and i got to meet a guy in the parking lot at a burger king uh to help him out, I was going to buy, his, uh, buy him some gas to help him get, get out of town and get to where he was going. And, and uh, when I got there uh, and told him what I was able to do for him, um, he wanted money. He wanted cash. And because I wasn't going to give him cash, I was going to give him gas, he gave me a free sermon. <laughs> and what did he do? He questioned the love of God in me. Because he had it defined that if I'm really a Christian and I really walk in love, I have got to do for him what he wants me to do. I'm not going to define love that way. That unless I comply with everyone's desires and whims around me, then I'm not really operating in love. I think a true leader, someone who's strong, uh, knows how to walk in love, but knows how to say no to certain situations. And knows how to, uh, how to do the right thing. I really think a strong leader of a home will, uh, will get his family to church. Even when some are whining. I'm tired. Whether it's the kids, whether it's spouse, whether it's the pet. I don't know, whatever. There's just, you know, people say, oh, I'm kind of tired today. I stayed up late and I don't want... Well, you're going. That's love. That is the love of God in action because it, it really cares about the person's spiritual life. It cares about them and will, and will require of them to do what's right. 
Amen. I know sometimes people don't like, they think, if you use the word no too much, especially when it comes to children. People are afraid of the word no sometimes in, in, in certain psychological circles. And, uh, you know, you know, some people, that, they almost have this idea that they love their kids too much to discipline them. Oh, I just love little Johnny too much to spank his rear. Hmm. And I want to tell you, you don't love Johnny like you think you love him. You don't love him enough because if you would, you could handle the pain that it causes you to get him in, on, in line and on track. And, you know, sometimes uh, raising children, uh, there's, a, there's a thought that when they're real young, you don't want to say no too much. Because all they hear when they're young and first growing up is no, no, no. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't get into that. And, and it's been said that you build that negative mentality into them of always hearing the word no. And so people have come up with solutions of redirection. <laughs> Instead of telling them, don't touch this, they jingle something else and, <laughs> and get them to look over here so they forget about that. But I don't know. I, I, I have to go back to the Bible. And I'm thinking, you know, Old Testament law, remember that? Everyone, the law was made for an unregenerate person, rebellion towards God. They were spiritually dead. And Moses came down the mountain with a couple tablets, and there were no positives. (laughs) Thou shalt not. He said, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and, and right on down the line. Don't do these things. He didn't alternate them. Don't do this. But do this. <laughs> I don't know. He said love the Lord your God with all your heart. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm just saying there's a, there's a lot of uh, no's happening there. What do people need? A lot of times we just need some no's. It doesn't turn us into negative people. Okay. No's can be very positive in nature. Especially for a sinner. And, and if you understand the Bible. You know that the Bible compares the Old Testament saints if you will those who were serving god but they were spiritually dead compares them to children in the new covenant or really of all time in other words what do children need law children need law because they're not going to be led by the spirit you need a law if you're not led by the spirit and i do but if i'm led by the spirit i don't need that kind of stuff right but children need law and what do they need and they also you know you look under the old covenant They not only had some thou shalt nots, and you must do everything the Lord tells you to do, uh, there were also some uh, repercussions if they didn't, and they were listed. And if you don't, if you choose to do your own thing and go your own way, you get the botch of Egypt. You get this plague and this and the wild animals are going to come and get you and, and uh, other nations are coming to come and take you away and, and poverty's going to be and fear's going to be in your life. And it was all listed out. It's like, okay, that's a motivation. <laughs> Do what God wants or else. And how many know that's still true with children? I, I'm, I'm, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, I'm talking to you about the love of God and how it works. Okay? L- love will still do that to, his ki- to the children, not with the... Uh, you're not going to curse them, but there's appropriate ways that don't damage them, but give them a sting. And when they're older, there's other things. Amen. 
And that is the love of God to do that. We cannot elevate our personal feelings of how it hurts us to do this or what will another person think of me if I say no. See, let's let Jesus be Lord and not let the opinions of others about us take predominant priority in our lives, okay? I want you to like me. I really do. I think most of us, we want other people to like us. But if I really love people, there will be times where I don't do what they want me to do. There will be times when you don't do what they want you to do. I know as a pastor, if I, just, if I was dominated by every little thing that came up and, and wanted time and attention, I wouldn't be able to feel, fulfill the call of God on my life. I wouldn't be able to pastor this church correctly. And sometimes people get into flesh. Sometimes Louise has to take the brunt of that. <laughs> and she does really good. But sometimes if there's a situation where there's not time or it's not an appropriate situation and she has to say no on my behalf... She's gotten to deal with some pretty carnal people. And they don't want to act right. It's like, okay, now you know why we don't want to take time with you. <laughs> Not that she doesn't say that, but that's the way I think. Because when someone comes out of their shell, all of a sudden, wah! Oh, you got a devil, huh? <laughs> You're demon possessed. You didn't tell us that. We'll come to the service. We'll get you. Oh, that, that's just you. Oh. Oh, I see, because when you were a little kid, huh, you, you flopped around on the floor in the grocery store and got a candy bar. <laughs> and you got home, and you didn't want to eat your food, and you threw it all, and they gave you something else. And it was bedtime. You screamed and got to stay up. And then you grew as a teenager and, got to, and didn't get your way, and so you had a fit and had a fuss and yelled and slammed the door and, and let everyone's life be hell, and you grew up a little bit further. You became an adult, but you're still a big baby in your body. Isn't that what's happening? And now you think everybody still has to do everything that you want. Now, we don't say that to people, but that's kind of the mentality that, that's really what I understand is what happen, is what's happening when people are so quick to get angry every time they're refused every time someone doesn't allow them to have their way come on man don't take personally every time someone says no or you don't get your way just be a big boy put your put your big boy pants on and <laughs> cowboy up <laughs> take it like a man and Act like an adult and understand that people love you even though they don't necessarily fall in line with every one of your whims. All right. Now, let's look at a couple scriptures here. Uh, Don't turn to this one. In Acts chapter 15, you just know this, that uh, Paul said no to Mark. Mark went with them on a previous journey. He left them partway through. Doesn't tell, really give the details why. When they were getting ready to take another uh, missionary journey, Paul said, Mark, you're not coming along. Even Barnabas said, yeah, Paul, take him. <laughs> and uh, Paul said, no. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 too. He didn't know about love, but he did say no to him. Okay, Galatians 2. Turn there real quick. Galatians chapter 2. And uh, verse 11, 
Galatians 2, again, this is a whole context here. We just want to take the part out. Galatians 2.11 says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I, this is Paul again, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Notice here, this is Paul. He knows about the love of God. He walks in the love of God. And he got in Peter's face and withstood him. You read the context. He did it in front of everybody. Okay, was Paul in the flesh here? He was not. He was still walking in the love of God. Peter was playing the hypocrite. He was leading other people astray. And Paul got in the middle of it and rebuked him in front of everybody. The reason I bring this up is so that we will understand that sometimes love deals with situations like this. This is not a license now for the few people that want to go fix everybody. And go tell everybody, you're wrong about this, and you're wrong, I rebuke you over this. (laughs) And they want to go start fixing everybody. That's the flesh, okay? That's not what this is talking about. But we do understand sometimes the love of God needs to be tough, needs to be strong, and deal with circumstances. Would love ever hurt somebody's feelings? Well, understand this, love doesn't want to. If I'm really walking in love, I never want to hurt anybody. I don't want to make people feel bad and and, and hurt their feelings. But I do understand this, that if I do what's right, and if I walk in love, there will be times where some people may take it the wrong way. Could someone have their feelings hurt, and I didn't do anything wrong? Yes. Again, do we want to do everything to avoid that? Absolutely. We want people to receive and understand our heart, what we feel. But I can't back off from the truth and doing what's right and make someone else's feelings my Lord in dominating me, okay? And again, look at the ministry of Jesus. We'll show you one here, but you know at times when he was dealing with religious hypocrites, Pharisees, Sadducees of the day, he got right in their face. This was love again in the flesh. He got in their face, called them whitewashed tombs and full of dead man's bones. He said in John 8, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus, he's getting in people's face and telling them this, calling them hypocrites because he dealt very seriously with uh, the religious people of his day. But yet at the same time, how many know Jesus was the nicest guy you could ever be around? And people who were honest, people just being themselves, even if they were living in sin. Come on, the tax collectors and the sinners of his day, he'd have lunch with them. The religious people go, I can't believe you're eating with them. Eating with the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) But in their day, the tax collectors were considered sinners. And a lot of times they were were ripping people off and so forth. They were thieves. and, And Jesus would get around and they wanted to be around him. Explain that. Here Jesus is righteous, pure, and holy in all his ways. And people in darkness are drawn to him. Obviously, he's not pointing to all their problems and making them feel bad. This is how the love of God works. Stand strong in the face of uh, hypocrisy and religion. He got in their face, but average people who were just sinners, just blowing it and making mistakes, he loved them. He showed them love, and they were drawn to him. I really believe the same would be true about us. You get around people who are absolutely living their life wrong, living in sin, making all kinds of mistakes that you show up and they're happy about it because you're not about to beat them up. You're not about to make them feel all bad and condemned and judge every action of theirs, but you're about to love them and show them God's forgiveness. That's the way Jesus is. Amen. Let me give you two more scriptures here this morning. Everybody okay? 
Proverbs 27. Sometimes things can hurt a little bit. That's okay. We can handle it. Proverbs 27 and verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What happens, sometimes an enemy will give you a nice big kiss, and they're trying to rip you off. They're trying to, they're trying to just make you think one thing when the other is true. They're, they're lying to you, but they'll kiss you, and sometimes you're one of your best friends around. They might wound you. Not because they want you hurt, but sometimes a friend will tell someone the truth. Sometimes they'll speak the truth in love. They'll tell you something even though it stings a little bit. Even though it's like, ah, you know, but you're right. I sure appreciate you telling me that. You know, man, your zipper's down. (laughs) I know that's kind of a light one, but I don't even really like telling people their zipper's down. But how many know a true friend would? (laughs) Uh, dude, you got mm, so you got some ketchup on your face there, you know. <laughs> That's the point in a jesting way. But when someone's doing the wrong thing, they may be embarrassed or they may be hurt. They may be going off track. A true friend will let them know. And does it hurt a little bit? It's like, oh, junk, man, I didn't really realize. But you sure appreciate it. You sure appreciate it. That's what a true friend will do. And, and again, uh, I need people in my life to love me more than wanting me to like them. Okay, a true person who loves someone will be there to help them even in uncomfortable situations. We need to be willing to help people by telling them something uncomfortable. All right. Now again, let me, let me help the other side real quick. Uh, take this with a grain of salt in relationship to who you should be talking to. Don't feel like you have a license to talk to anyone about anything. There's, you know... Little Jimmy sees mom doing something wrong, in his opinion. I mean, no, he does not have the right to correct his mother or his father. You don't correct those who are over you. That's kind of the way those things work. And so when so I see someone doing something wrong, I'm going to let them know. Well, watch out, first of all. And here's what I would check. Is it, is it love motivating you to do it? Let's look at Mark chapter 10. We'll finish up over here. Oh, the Lord is good. His love is in us. He loves us so much. And we love each other with that same love. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. It said, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Notice he called him teacher there, not good teacher. He didn't want to call him God, did he? Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. 
Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up, your, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, how many know the word that Jesus gave to this man was not just a light, fluffy, build-you-up kind of word? But it was something that he needed, Right? I mean, if the Lord were to use you to give a word to somebody else, a word of direction, a word of help to them, wouldn't it be much nicer to say, oh, the future is bright, God, you know, has this for you, this for you, tell you good things, as opposed to, the word I'm getting for you is, <laughs> sell everything that you have <laughs> and give it away and then come follow me. Especially doesn't go over good when preachers tell people to do that. But this word was a strong word. It was a tough word. Obviously, the guy wouldn't do it. He gave up a tremendous amount for not following it. But you can see it was difficult on his flesh to the point that he yielded to it. He said, basically, I'm not receiving that word. That's not God. Right? But here's what I see in here. The Bible said in verse 21 that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And gave him a strong word. That's the way love acts sometimes. If you really love people, sometimes you'll tell them something that's difficult. Again, don't make this the guiding force looking for hard words. I don't think most of them are. But love on the right occasion in the right circumstance will not back off from telling someone something straight. Even if it's difficult for them to receive. Jesus loved him and said, sell it. Get rid of it all and come follow me. We know the Lord would have blessed them back tremendously. But again, the focus is what motivates us to do things. If love does, I, they're, most of the time they're going to be real positive and real important things, but sometimes they'll be confrontational. Gee, remember Jesus looked at Peter? Really kind of looked through him. What did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Remember that? Peter was yielding to the devil. Got a revelation from God one minute, revelation from the devil the next. And Jesus rebuked him over it. All right? And this is what we need to understand, the love of God, how it acts. Okay? Ask yourself before you do anything, am I motivated by the love of God to say this or do this or act this way? Is it my... Is it my truest and deepest desire to help this person to lift someone up or is it just me wanting to let them have it wanting to let them know in finishing uh, what would we say walking in love is not walking in love is not ignoring wrongdoing walking in love is not being passive toward everything walking in love is not being a doormat for everyone God intends for you and I to be strong to represent Him well, to be confident, to be secure, and to, and to be the nicest people around. Be the most kind and most patient, but again, led by Him. Jesus is Lord, not everybody else. And we ultimately are going to uh, respond to Him in what we do with our lives. Amen. Father, thank You today. Thank You today for Your goodness. Thank You for the love of God outpoured in us, shed abroad in our hearts. We believe 
that you are doing good things in our hearts and in our lives today, leading us. And Lord, if there are things that you want to say to us that are more direct and more firm, hey, we receive that, Lord. We know you love us. Anytime you ask us to do something that's a challenge, we know that you, you love us. And so we're okay with that. Lord, help us to receive from you, to receive life, to receive from others. Help us to be a blessing wherever we go to truly walk in the divine love of God and not be run over just with making uh, feelings the top priority in our, in our hearts and in our lives. We honor you. We bless you today. You're a good and faithful God. And you're taking us up. You're taking us on, moving us forward. For this, we give you all the thanks. We give you all the praise. For you're a wonderful God. Strong and mighty in us. Strong and mighty in us. Glory to God. Strong and mighty in us. We give you all the praise. All the praise. Glory to God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Glory to God. Lord, teach us in the way that we should go. We hear your voice. We receive good things from above. Glory to God. You're a good and faithful God. Good and faithful God. Good and faithful God. You're a faithful God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for those today who've never received Jesus. There may be some who've come to Jesus.